Hi, it's Dustin Lanier. Thanks for listening. Please find me on LinkedIn for original public sector operations content every week. And please reach out to me if I and my team of procurement professionals at Civic Initiatives can help you be a public procurement change agent. So thanks everyone for joining us in our public procurement Wednesday chats. I'm going to start trying to call them We Solve It Wednesdays because uh, everything's got to have a name. Today we're going to talk about contract initiation. The, the topic from the poll was uh, the contract signed what now, what's now. So on the stage, we've got Jonathan Walker from the state of Louisiana, Jamie Shore from the state of Maine, James Crenshaw from District of Columbia, Lenora Sullivan from Palm Beach State County. Did I say that correctly? And also a new, um, a new member of the NAEP governing board. Lenora, have I captured those correctly? <laughs> right. And then Jenny Hederman from uh, the state of Massachusetts. And also on stage with me is uh, Christina um, Semeraro, who is a new um, employee for, for me and will help us with some moderating. Um, Lisa Rolick, who um, is also with me, um, formerly with the state of Nebraska. And then um, Christine Webb just joined us and she's from uh, Shelby County. Let me introduce the topic and then we'll go to Lenora since she can't see and then we'll open it up in the room and, and we'll have a rolling conversation. So the topic was about the contract is signed, what now? And so I would say that the interesting thing in that topic, which Jenny had kind of put forward as a, as a topic is how do, you in, how do you take the commitments that were made through the procurement process and then create the right initiation of how we work with that vendor and set the basis for success by how we start the relationship. We have some processes around contract initiation that I can add in as it as it's relevant. But let me come to Lenora first. Um, and again, Lenora, congratulations on your new NAEP role. That's fantastic. And talk to us about whatever thoughts you might have on how do you how do you pivot from the procurement event to the contracting event and make it be as effective as it can be. So thank you all for having me, and I'm so excited to join this um, process, and it's a very relevant topic, actually, because, um, as you all know, um, contract management lives inside of the procurement life cycle, and it's just a small part of it. And so I guess I would kind of um, put it as Bill Gates um, says, a lot when you hear him speak, garbage in, garbage out. So it really is um, the process of starting at the beginning and starting with the beginning with the end in mind. And so the desired result that you would like from your contract and from your contractors, for that matter, um, to make sure that it's clearly outlined when you start your process and that your stakeholders are really clear, crystal clear, about what they're looking for, what the deliverables are going to be, how those deliverables are actually going to be measured, and are those measurables, um, you know, the things that they want to measure, is it real, does it make sense? You know, can it be measured in fact? Um, and are you making it more difficult um, to audit your contract? And so I find in my, you know, experience um, with this, and, and we struggle with it all as professionals, that once the contract is, is completed, all executed, everybody's doing high fives around the table. And I think that it's inherent uh, sometimes 
we don't really talk about, well, what is that transition going to look like if it's a service that has been uh, in operation before and we're now just transitioning maybe to a new vendor, we have to really make sure we have transition time in play, um, that the new vendor has an opportunity to, you know, glean from what things need to happen in order to have a smooth uh, introduction um, to our organization because we all know that it can be uh, quite pickly uh, to do business sometimes with um, public entities and there are lots of processes and procedures. But, you know, more uh, than that is, you know, obligation management, right? We want to make sure that they know and understand, well, what does that look like outside of the paper contract that it's written on and what those measurables are going to be um, as far as, you know, the audit and reporting and making sure that it's measuring up against the things that we say are deliverables. Um, and then the department, you know, who in the department really owns the contract? And I find that uh, organizations struggle with that a lot. While we have the stakeholder that comes forth and says that they need the solicitation and that, um, you know, procurement, and they go through that process with us. But at the end, you know, when you're doing the high five that it's over because, oh, my gosh, it's taken, like, you know, so much time to get the contract, mm-hmm. we often don't know or they haven't truly identified the person that is going to um, be in charge of holding the vendor responsible for the deliverables. And well, so that's I a great there and not talk too much. Right. No, no, it's great. Um, let, let me pick that up and take it to Jenny first since she suggested the topic and um, is our resident uh, bridge between the procurement group and the legal group and then let her kind of set the stage inside of the room and then let's open it up to whichever one of you guys would like to chime in. Jenny, what was your, how, how, how do you guys um, work in Massachusetts that echoes or, or is different from some of what Lenora was talking about? Um, actually, what we do tracks very closely to that. And, um, you know, what Lenora mentioned is one of the most critical parts of transitioning from your procurement and your contract into implementation. I think one of the biggest pieces of advice I would offer is to really set up your implementation team. And I say team because I don't think that any one person really can manage a contract without having some support throughout the process. And you really don't want a single person managing a contract because things sometimes can get lost in the shuffle. So setting up a team with your fiscal office, your legal staff, if you have a risk team and your operational staff, because each is going to have a different viewpoint of what contract performance is and what the expectations are. And then having your team meet initially um, for several meetings to figure out what the plan is, you know, any specific deadlines that need to be on the calendar, any specific procedures as far as invoice submission and how those are going to be reviewed, and then what the expectations are as far as a vendor meeting the performance requirements under the contract. So if you set this kind of infrastructure in place, you are better positioned to watch what's happening over the course of the beginning of a contract and then checking in throughout the process. Um, And Laura also mentioned um, auditing. You have to expect that most of your contracts at some point are gonna be audited, either by a state or federal auditor or by an auditor's office uh, for your state. 
or local government. So you have to go into it with the idea that you're either going to get public records requests or audit requests that are going to challenge what you did in that contract. And you're going to have to demonstrate that what you did was in the best interest of your uh, government entity. So I think setting up a team is one of the best pieces of advice um, for contract management that I would recommend. And this is Jenny and I'm done. So I'll, um, I'll recontext the room briefly for new folks who are on. We're doing a recorded uh, half hour session around uh, contract, contract initiation. Uh, we're picking topics every week on LinkedIn. Uh, the, I guide the conversation in the first half hour and then we'll take questions from participants in the, in the audience. Um, but please know as you come up that it is being recorded. So, um, so Jamie, I'm gonna I'm gonna come to you, and then I'm gonna open it up to anyone who has um, comments or context. And then you don't need to bounce to me every time. If you want to speak, please just come off mute and uh, take this talking stick. Yeah, thank you, Dustin. As mentioned, I'm Jamie Shore. I'm the Chief Procurement Officer for the State of Maine. Um, and Dustin, I, I just want to take a quick step back. So you kind of jumped into the how of implementing a contract. And I think it's super important to, to just jump back and say the what and the why. So what is it, right? And why is it so important? Why do we do it? Um, and in terms of the, the what, right? Just negotiating the contract, getting the signatures on the document, doing the RFP, that's all in relative terms, that's the easy stuff. When you sign the signatures and both parties are actually performing, that's when the work begins. And that's when contract management is just so unbelievably critical, right? This is the point in time where two parties actually start digging in and doing the work. And if those two parties are on different paths to get to the end goal, then they need to work together to make sure either those paths are parallel or that they're going to cross at some point in time. And I think that's the why that is so critical because we need to make sure that we're working towards the same end goal. And contract management slash contract administration slash I've signed the contract, now what do I do? That's all part of working towards the end goal. Um, I love what Jenny said uh, around um, implementing a team. As the chief procurement officer, Right, I don't. I oversee contracts for other agencies. I actually don't have that many contracts of my own, but the ones that I do have, um, and it, my recommendation to other agencies is set the expectation for communication right from the very beginning. We talked in this group a lot last week around collaboration and working together. That's a critical component. If the vendor thinks that you're going to be touching base with them on a weekly basis and your expectation is that they're supposed to be doing the work and you're not touching base for a quarter, then there's a disconnect there, right? And so the two parties need to set the expectation for what the relationship will be right at the very beginning. So that's, I, I think, I'm gonna go back to what we talked about last week, communication, collaboration, setting expectations and working towards the same goal. Those are probably my, my four pieces of takeaway. I agree with all of that. That is so telling. And I think that um, part of it for both of you, and this is Lenora Civilian from Palm Beach State College again, it's so telling because 
we live in silos oftentimes in the agencies, and it's really, really critical uh, based on, you know, what Jamie said and, um, you know, everyone's talking about with the team, getting everyone to understand that it is not just a singular effort and that it does, you know, to, to not make light of it, it does take a village to make these contracts successful. And it's not just in the formulation of it, but also the execution after the fact, you know, during the implementation implementation phase. Because I think sometimes um, some of the parties walk away because they're so excited to just have the service. And we forget that there's a whole lot of work that needs to be done because in order for you to get the correct products and services, you have to make sure it's functioning in the vein in which it was written and outlined. And it does take a complete process of collaboration and communication, not just internally, but also with our vendor, you know, with the firm that is now going to be supplying those um, products or services. Right. And um, so let's come to James because I believe James Aren't you formally, isn't your role formally in the contracting? Uh, I, 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 we've talked before, of course, but I don't remember your exact, uh, but I believe you're on the contracting side, correct? Uh, so I work in the contracts department, uh, but no, I have not been a contractor. So I've been over a department that was responsible for managing contractors. Right. Uh, and, and that's what I meant. So, so why don't you okay, pick up okay. the ball from uh, from some of the ladies so far and, uh, and bring some knowledge to the room? My pleasure. So, first thing I wanted to talk about was the high fives because that's that's something I can definitely relate to. And we want to think about why the high fives. And the reason for the high fives, from my experience, is well, what's the definition of what we do? It's procurement, and and the, in the definition of procurement. The only action is to procure. There is no post-contract administration in the definition in itself. When the user departments or program offices come to us, they come to us and what is their expectation of us? Their expe expectation of us is to uh, get competition, for us to procure ethically, and for us to get a contract executed. Then the post-contract work, 99% of the time, is between the user agency and the supplier. And so uh, what the challenge is often with the procurement department is, we know once we've done our job, especially on large procurements, it's a high five moment, we're excited. We have, we have done the thing that is expected of us. The next thing we have to do is think about, well, what is going the next mile? And contract administration, that's that next mile. That's, that's where we have to uh, work with our user departments. And, and, and I really want to focus in on that because our user departments, along with our uh, taxpaying residents and business owners, they're our customers. And so we need to make sure that we have a, a clear understanding of what our user department needs are, uh, what their deliverables are, and, and what their expectations are. And then once we have that understanding, we can really work with the suppliers to to, to help them uh, meet those needs, uh, especially once the contract has been administered, um, help them help us do more than uh, issue POs and, and renewals. Right. I, now I'll pause there for someone else to hop in. Well, 
so, and we've dealt with a lot of procurement shops who are having that conversation, right? Like where does the transaction end and what is the responsibility here? And uh, it's going to be different everywhere, but I'm going to, I'm going to adapt a sting song and say, I hate to say it, but it's probably me, right? If, if the procurement department doesn't have a role in teaching people what it means to get outcomes from the contracts that we signed and that we're working, then the nature of contract management inherently is going to fall as a legal activity. And in my personal opinion, contract management is not a legal activity. It is a business activity to make sure that the vendor commitments are met. When the interaction becomes a discussion about whether you are legally compliant, the likelihood that both sides retreat to their corners is high. So I want the procurement department to think about the whole flow from from the, the engagement through the delivery of the commitments. And if you don't have that relationship yet or that responsibility yet, really thinking about how do we create a training process with our end users that says, here's what your responsibilities are in bringing that contract to a successful fruition. And if you're not getting the outcomes that you expected, come talk to me early in the process. Don't wait until all the money is gone and all the time is gone in order to have that conversation. Um, I know I probably hit something that people are going to jump into. Let me just give a little space to Jonathan or Kristen since they haven't had a chance to speak yet on if they, if they're dealing with that topic and then I'll open it back up to whoever wants to come off mute. Yes, I would definitely echo what, especially what Jamie and James said, which is that in procurement, we often, our focus is often um, not so much on obtaining goods and services, but obtaining contracts and, we have to unwrap ourselves from the axle of that collective bias uh, regarding sourcing. Um, <laughs> too often we view the period of the actual contract as an interlude or an intermission between rebids rather than the substantive part that you know our end users actually care about. Um, we do a contract management training here in Louisiana and <laughs> we include both procurement people and end users. And the way I differentiate between the two groups is early on there's a question and I say, we do a bid on July 1st, say it's for office supplies. It renews the following July 1st, it renews the following July 1st, and it expires the following June 30th. And I ask the audience, how often does that contract happen? And happen is in quotation marks. And all the procurement people will say, that contract happens every year, or you know, every 365 days. <laughs> and the end users, um, will say that contract happens every day that it is active. And I think that's a perspective shift that has to happen. It's, it's, not, it's not about the start date and the end date, it's about the middle dates. Um, so two major things that we do in Louisiana that's in line with what I've heard from the other speakers is uh, number one, don't position uh, contract execution as the finish line. That is the starting gun for contract management. And two, I have a early. slide with I have a slide with that exact uh, picture, so, uh, oh. <laughs> so I agree. <laughs> and two, I, I think people use different words. In Louisiana, we call it a kickoff meeting. First, we have a kickoff meeting with the agency to go over roles and expectations. This is what the contract says, and then we have a kickoff meeting, including the vendor or the contractor. Again, roles and expectations, performance requirements, et cetera. Um, and I, I think it's been said well already that if there's a surprise or if you get to the point where you're looking to the contract to see what your legal rights are, you've already failed. 
you know, everybody should be aware of roles and responsibilities on the front end and to avoid having to get to that um, adversarial posture. It's definitely, definitely if we're not using the contract as we go, it's very hard to pull it out later and, and try, to, try to use it. It should be present consistently in a relationship. Let me come back to Jenny as our resident bridge between legal and procurement, and then um, I'll open it back up to Kristen or Lenora, who um, can't see. <laughs> so Jenny, how do we keep the contract present in the relationship without it being oppressive? And that's such a great question. Um, I think now that we're getting into a more electronic world, there really is no excuse not to have access to all the documents you need when you are managing a contract. So I think setting up your contract and your procurement file so that those people who are accessing it have access to it and they're actually looking at the information. Um, we had implemented this in our own office and made recommendation, recommendations to other agencies and they pushed back at first because they had always had the impression in the back of their head, it was a huge binder, it was too difficult to go through it was very um, labor intensive until they actually did it. And then they found exactly what pages and sections they really needed to be looking at. And they made it as part of their daily operations. And we, as you had just mentioned, which is such a, an excellent point, you know, presume you're going to be audited and that the end game is when your audit is closed. So if you're thinking that way, your whole mindset throughout the whole contracting process is making sure that you are looking at your internal controls, making sure you're looking at your contract and making sure you're keeping up with it throughout the whole period of your contract, you know, through your end payments. Go ahead, Lenora or Kristen. Um, you guys haven't had as much of a chance. Uh, Kristen, why don't you come off and then we'll yeah. hand it to Lenora if she wants and then we'll just come back around and you guys jump in anytime. I don't Absolutely. have to hand the stick around. Go ahead. Thanks for having me again and having this, Dustin. And uh, I'm Kristen Webb with Shelby County Government, uh, as previously mentioned. But for me, everyone has really tapped on some of the really critical components when you talk about contract management. The part that I really like was just uh, understanding that <clears throat> it really kind of starts at the beginning and the finish line shouldn't be looked at as once that execution executed contract takes place. Um, we are working through um, really refocusing and determining if policy needs to be tightened to drive that. I mean, obviously there's this an intentional um, behavior that has to be adopted, right? Um, but also having the support through policy to make sure that um, everything is happening through the entire process um, to project completion or even to the accounts payable piece that we mentioned um, and the account is completely closed and the project is done. So I, I really, I wish I had a whole lot more to add, but everyone's really hit what is truly important about it. And I think it's more of an intentional behavior adoption uh, and then the support of policy and procedure to make sure um, that it's being um, carried out accordingly. I know for us, I work in the purchasing office and we do have a contracts administration office. And so for my office, a lot of times, once I do that intent to award letter, my hands are kind of off. Um, but there are times that later on conversations come up about maybe projects being behind or needing to um, be addressed regarding milestones and timeline. And I should take an interest in that as well, collectively with the contracts administration and the user uh, user department. So um, kudos to those comments. I, I really have nothing else to add at this time. Um, Lenora, uh, do you have anything? And then I was going to go to Lisa and have her um, chime in a little bit on the work we've, uh, we've done in another place. Go ahead, Lenora. 
Um, sure. So I I echo and, and absolutely agree with the rules and expectation and the performance requirements and you know, really keeping in the back of your mind, uh, assuming that, you know, you have to pass muster with an audit, the internal controls. But, you know, with the post-award administrative piece, I find that the training, um, as the gentleman from Mississippi said, is really, really a critical piece. Because oftentimes our stakeholders are somewhat disconnected um, with some of the training pieces, and they know how to manage their particular business sector well. They don't know how to manage the integration of the procurement piece well, and that goes with the contracting piece. They know how to get the services done, and they know how to submit that invoice, but all the squishy middle, um, they don't do so well, and what I mean by that is oftentimes we hear when it's kind of too late, meaning when there's something that needs to be mitigated, whether it's a risk that has occurred or there's an escalation of an issue or a dispute over a deliverable or something that has just not gone so right while they think that they've had this wonderful relationship with the, with the vendor, the farm, the supplier, whatever nomenclature you want to attach to that. And so that post-award piece and the training around that is really um, essential, and I couldn't have said it any better regarding the team and the roles and expectations because that's really where the managing, the monitoring of the commitments and the milestones, um, and and even though you're doing pre-mitigation uh, of risk with you know having that partnership with your risk department, making sure all the insurance and bonds and all of the things that are applicable based on the product or service are in place. You also have to make sure that that is continually managed. Um, and and with regard to, you know, any particular issue, it really speaks to having that, uh, as the gentleman said, the kickoff meeting or having that pre-transition um, meeting so that the expectations are set up front. And so that is really, really critical. I, I, right. I think we're all, like, really on the same page there. And it really then comes down to making sure our stakeholders um, have that, that partnership with us and that we have developed more uh, robust training around that and that there's the understanding that it's all encapsulated in that procurement process. While we are not the people that are necessarily monitoring the service they day because that's on the department, but that they understand that that is their um, ultimate responsibility in partnership right. with us. Right, and we and and that whole the name we have given a name for that that transition as a contract initiation, and and I think that if you create to borrow from Arnold Schwarzenegger's term uh, the kabuki of the initiation that it has meaning and that we're going to have a contract initiation meeting and we're going to use that to clarify the connection between the legal and the business, I think it's effective. Um, let me come briefly to Lisa, who is is a procurement professional out of Nebraska and has helped with some contract management uh, characteristics in, in Missouri. Um, Lisa, I know that contract management's near and dear to you. Uh, anything you want to toss in um, as we come towards the end of the guided period of our, of our discussion? Sure. Um, I like everything that I'm hearing, you know, talking about contract initiation and having that important kickoff meeting or that, that start to 
the contract, um, making sure you have a contract administration team in place. Um, and, you know, in addition to having a contract manager identified, uh, the one thing, well, three words I want to say is document, 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 you know, and for, you know, really being, um, making sure that, that we understand the importance of, of documentation uh, during that monitoring period. And then the other idea that I want to throw out there that I always pushed to the contract managers that I worked with was um, developing and, and making sure that they did that practice of, or the, the exercise of the lessons learned from that contract, because eventually we will be either moving on to um, rebidding or, you know, there's always something that we learn through every contract that we work and, and being able to capture those lessons learned is important. Right. <clears throat> done done um, speaking. This is kind of, this is kind of fun guys. I like this. <laughs> right. So um, those, those are great points. Yeah, Lisa. please. James. Uh, James Crenshaw again with the District of Columbia. What we have in place is a contracting officer technical representative and basically what that person is responsible for is the contract administration uh, post award normally we would like a person to be a subject matter expert uh, for the particular procurement and project uh, oftentimes however it's a person that's within the contract office and so that's one of the things that's a little different here in dc um, that, that I found out about that I, that I did not do in Atlanta was that contracting officer technical uh, representative position. But what I wanted to do was want to take a quick um, slant to the left and, and not talk specifically about uh, the legal part of it, but the relationship part of it. Um, last week, we had a, a question on how can suppliers and procurement contracting officers have uh, better relationships and, and, and improve those relationships. And, my response was in the lines of um, legal communication. And, and more what I really want to say about that is my best contracts, the best contracts and, and most successful contracts between the user agency and the, the departments and the supplier have been those where we formed real relationships around caring about the project. And, and what does that look like? Uh, that looks like me as a contracting officer uh, putting ticklers into my calendar to check in with the supplier, just say, hey, checking on you guys, seeing how it's going, um, things working out for you. I've been getting good reports from the user department on you, and I just want to thank, thank you for what you're doing. Same with the user department, checking in with the user department. I know I, I'm getting your POs, I'm getting, your, I'm getting everything you need, but I want to know more about how the project is going. Are you really on schedule? Um, so we can put ticklers into our calendars and, and, and go what I call the extra mile uh, just to make sure that the user department and the supplier know that we care more about just getting a contract executed. Uh, one of the things that I found is when you have a, a good relationship and a successful contract, it makes it easier to solicit the next time around. You monitor change orders. Uh, we talked about lessons learned. Uh, monitor those change orders. Okay, so we see next time these things need to be added to, to a scope or um, these things need to be removed. Monitoring how many questions we get during the uh, procurement process, things of that nature, it all helps the supplier community know and the user agency know that procurement is watching and we're trying to make this process more efficient and, and easier for you so that you, you can be successful. 
Good stuff, James. So let me come back to Jonathan because I know for certain that Jonathan's going to have to fall off soon because Jonathan and I are actually in a session uh, outside of this. So um, as we come to the end of the guided period of the the this thing, let me just recontext. Um, if you're in the audience and you have a question for this group, uh, we will be dealing with that um, shortly as we come out of the recorded part of the session, which will end in the next five or six minutes. And so you're welcome to raise your hand and uh, I'll cue you in if you'd like to, to speak. I see at least one state CTO in the audience, so he can probably come up and add some context if he's listening. And um, otherwise, let me ask Jonathan if you have any final thoughts before you fall off and then I will guide this um, and then come back and join you in a minute. Yes, very good. Again, Jonathan with Louisiana, a couple of rapid fire supplements, and there's been so much good feedback. Um, one idea I would bring up is the idea of buy-in, you know, having buy-in from the end user as well as the vendor to establish that there is value to a value added to them in the process. And the way we do that in Louisiana is ask the end user, how many times have you seen a low performing contractor be awarded additional contract? Or how many times have you heard criticism or um, expressed criticism about a contractor but never actually followed through with the formal deficiency complaint? Um, additionally, uh, describing that contract administration is not extra work or it's not outside of the basic scope of the duties. It indeed is, is the work um, and that poorly managed contracts are going to blow up and contract administration can get in front of that. Briefly, a couple other things that are super helpful in my experience is the use of templates. If we can get out of the idea of thinking of each contract as a unicorn, you know, we can create a standard template, a standard escalation procedure, um, you know, a, a de defect letter, a show cause letter, a termination letter, a suspension letter, you know, a debarment letter. All of that can be templatized, especially in an electronic environment, as was described. Two last things is the process doesn't have to be the same for every contract. Get with your risk people and based on the operational, the fiscal, the, the, you know, the mission criticality of the individual contract, you can tailor how much oversight um, the contract needs. An office supply contract, no matter how, how badly it blows up, it can never cause as much harm as a Medicaid contract blowing up. And so you can tailor it um, accordingly. And lastly, Lisa stole my thunder on this one, but she said it better than I could have. Continuous improvement. It's not just a matter of the lessons of sourcing flowing into the contracting process, but if you do contract administration, the lessons of the contracting experience can flow into the sourcing process in a virtuous cycle. Well, that was that was uh, that was a rapid fire uh, uh, execution point, Jonathan. So you had lots of claps in the audience. Um, uh, as we come to the end of this session, I saw Jenny give a clap. So, um, you know, maybe Jenny or Jamie could give us a last comment on the recorded part of the podcast. As we come out of it, I'll just uh, mention again, uh, please find me on LinkedIn. We do polls on being able to say what our topics are. We have two or three topics we'll do coming out of this. And, uh, you know, we're going to try to change it up and be interesting and do something every week. So, um, Jenny, Jamie, you have a, any any pithy thoughts as we finish off the recorded part of the, the session? So you know me, Dustin, this is Jamie. I always have an extra thought for folks, but 
I will end um, my portion just with two quick comments. James hit the nail on the head when he said the words thank you. Like a thank you from this from the state or government agent to a vendor goes a long way. Um, and then lastly, I think I think government officials, whether it, you're in procurement or whether you're the business portion of it, it is it is crucial not to be afraid to give feedback to your vendor. Um, if, the, if there's something happening that does not line up with the contract, then, or you're just not feeling it, again, feel that open communication. Just like you'd say, thank you for a job well done. Don't be afraid to say, this isn't quite right. Let's tweak this a little bit. Great. Jenny? Uh you're 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 our, you're our legal bridge, so so why don't you close us out as I click the, the record button off here and we can take some questions. And, you know, great advice all the way through. Uh, definitely building relationships, but again, the documentation is important. Um, one um, tip that we've done is you have a central document. Sometimes it's an Excel spreadsheet or a Word document, and everybody puts their comments and their progress into that one document. So you have a central location where everybody's keeping information um, current. And that's a good way to see what's happening during the contract. So um, once you get into the contract and you really start getting experience documenting what's working and what's not working, and then that could get rolled into the contract or into your perform performance measures as you go through. So that would be my fi final comment, Jenny out. Jenny out. I need a, I need a, uh, I need a closing, closing line. Some lady was on a room I was on and her name was CB and she said CB over and out. I was like, that's funny, but it's going to get old. <laughs> Just one more time, remind you guys that if you're listening to this on podcast and are interested in chiming in either in the app or listening and helping suggest topics outside, please contact me on LinkedIn and we'll be happy to set it up. Hi, it's Dustin Lanier. Thanks for listening. Please find me on LinkedIn for original public sector operations content every week. And please reach out to me if I and my team of procurement professionals at Civic Initiatives can help you be a public procurement change agent.